Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast along with J.J. Cooper. I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for the download. Really appreciate all the uh, positive feedback we got on the last week's podcast. I think we did three podcasts last week, counting Will Myers' interview. Now, because of Will Myers, we're doing another podcast here today because of the Will Myers trade with the Tampa Bay Rays, so we'll focus on that. All Will Myers all the time. Yeah, I know. We've we've worn that out in 2012. We want to remind you that 13 Baseball America reference books are now available. Get your copies while supplies last. You can choose from the Prospect Handbook, which goes to press next week. The 2013 Almanac, already out to press, going to be back soon, makes a great New Year's gift. I won't say Christmas gift because I don't think you can get it by by Christmas. Makes a great holiday gift. The Baseball America Directory, which will produce uh, by March 2013. The Draft Almanac from a couple of years ago, still out there. And of course, annually, the Super Register. So the Baseball America reference books for 2013, all available if you visit the Baseball America store online, baseballamerica.com backslash store. And JJ, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. We'd probably give our our listeners and our vocal cords a little bit of a rest. But that can't happen today because Sunday night, about 11 o'clock Eastern time, maybe 10:30, the news broke um, about one of the, you know this has really been an epic year for trades, JJ. Been, and this is the third earth-shattering trade we really had in the last four months in baseball. You had the the Red Sox-Dodgers trade, which was really a shocker, and in terms of financial value, one of the bigger trades ever, right. if not the biggest trade ever, in terms of the contracts that were moved. Then you had. Uh, a couple months later, the Jays-Marlins trade, which was almost as big in terms of contracts that were moved uh, from a baseball standpoint, as we discussed in a podcast, kind of a defensible baseball trade for the Marlins, but really a, a, as white flag as, as white flag trades go a for an entire flaw. market. Yeah, exactly, for, for, for an entire market. Um, and now we have a, a trade that involves two teams that definitely approach the game differently, two franchises, two front offices that approach the game quite differently, a trade that involves, in my mind, one of the elite starting pitchers in baseball, James Shields. I do think he's elite. Um, And our reigning minor league player of the year, we really can't think of a minor league player of the year traded the year that he was minor league player of the year since at least Paul Konerko, who was traded in the year after he'd won minor league player of the year. So a pretty epic trade on a lot of ways. Uh, And if you've been under a rock, it's Will Myers, Mike Montgomery, Patrick Leonard, and Jake Odorizzi from the Royals going to Tampa, St. Pete, for James Shields, Wade Davis, and a player to be named or cash. So, J.J., you do our Royals prospects. Obviously, people who listen to this podcast know the depth of your knowledge on the Royals. What was your first take on the trade? And first give us your first reaction to it, and I'd love to, if you could set up just why the, the Royals felt they needed to make this move. Well, my first reaction was, Connor, I got an IM from Connor Glassy, fellow BA staffer, uh, about 10.45 or, go, or so last night, and somewhere around then. I was on Gmail, but I was sitting there just writing Reds reports, had the football game on in the background, and Connor goes, did you see the, about the trade? Which obviously perked me up right away, and I figured with him IMing that at Sunday night, okay, this is... <laughs> The Royals have made a trade. He's not going to be mentioning, you know, probably IMing me that immediately if it's just a random, you know, minor prospect for prospect trade. Go on, see it. And it was the thing that first blew me away was is that it was a much bigger deal than I thought. Yeah, the scope of it was the first thing I noticed as well. Because you were talking the rumors. There have been James Shields, Will Myers rumors, but this is a much, much more complex deal than that because. It's one thing. I I was trying to think of this. I cannot remember 
a team trading two starting pitchers. I know Wade Davis pitched at the pen last year. Right. But he's being traded as a starting pitcher. Two starting pitchers of the caliber of Shields Davis in the same deal. Yeah, that was surprising. I, I'm trying to think of that where it wasn't just a contract dump because obviously we had Josh Johnson and Mark Burley right. but I'm last talking, month. Yeah, but, but I'm yeah. talking about from the standpoint of because this is that's one thing we got when we started getting reaction to this. The two big this league starters talent, for minor leaguers. This is a talent for talent deal. This is not contracts played a part in this, but I think people in baseball enjoy this trade more because you can evaluate it much more. This trade is evaluated on the merits, not on. Well, they got this. They got eighty-five million or one hundred twenty-five million right. in salary relief. This, this was there was not a contract on either side here that the team regretted. No. That, the Rays didn't regret the James Shields contract or Wade Ray Davis's Davis. contract. They just and the Rays. They the just Rays had too many no pitchers, one. and they needed and they haven't. As part of the podcast, as we'll talk about further, they haven't developed impact hitters, not in five years. So they were d- deficient in that regard. And they needed to make that. This was a, a deal that both teams needed, J.J. Uh, let's start on the Royals' side, though. They needed, they, I guess, Mike Montgomery's failures, <laughs> not just his, but and the fact that he's included in this trade encapsulates why they had to make this trade. Right. The reality is, as we've talked about this in the podcast before, the Royals have not developed a healthy homegrown starting pitcher since Zach Greinke, who, of any, of any significance. The best way I can put this is, if Luke Hochaver, who they drafted 1-1, had developed into what you expect when you draft a relatively polished college pitcher 1-1, I'm not saying if he developed into a number one, I'm saying if he developed into a solid number three, if he'd have done that, they may not need to make this trade. If he'd had a Chris Benson career. (laughs) Right, which is basically, normally, that's a low bar. Chris Benson, I think if you said 1-1, you'd say, okay, that was a... Bust at one one. I think he's in the bottom half of one ones all time, very comfortably. But if you said if he developed into a number three starter, you may not. You probably don't see this trade. If when you go back a couple of years ago, when we were talking about the Royals having one of the best, if not the best, farm system we'd ever seen in the Baseball America era, if you look at right where they where they were right then, if from the group of Danny Duffy, John Lamb, Mike Montgomery. Chris Dwyer, you can go further, but those were the big four. Taylor Sample. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tyler no, Sample. Tyler Sample. No, you're yeah. not. But His name the, always makes me think of, uh, of Elmer Fudd. But if you of those four, if you had one of them who was healthy and in the Royals rotation right now, if you, especially if you had two, right. you probably don't see this trade made. I agree. But right now, you see zero. Danny Duffy made it. He lasted about... 13 starts, I think, before he blew his arm out and he needed TJ. Right. John Lamb is in the minors recovering from Tommy John's surgery. Mike Montgomery was dominant up until 2010, and then all of a sudden it's gone. Since 2011, he's been downhill. He's been downhill. Chris Dwyer, been downhill. The the slide is a little quicker for him. You got to throw one other in there. If Aaron Crow, who is working solid in their pen, but if Aaron Crow had not struggled as a starter, which led to the idea of looking at him in the pen, if he had developed into a front-end starter. If any one of those things had well, happened... Tim Melville. They over, I mean, Tim Melville no, was Tim one Melville. of the top high school pitchers yeah, in the draft in 2008. He's another guy you can throw into this. No if doubt. If any one of those, especially if any two, if any one of those had developed into where right now you're saying, 
hey, that guy's a legit front end of the rotation starter, and they had one more of these guys. You said that guy's that guy's Wade Davis esque. Right. If they, if they had that, this trade doesn't happen. Will Myers is playing right field for the Royals, I think. These organizations are about as diametrically on the on the other sides of the spectrum with regard to pitching development and the way that their success rate and how they do it as any in the in the game. But and the interesting part of this is is that when you go to the other side, the Royals have a much better track record in recent memory of producing hitters no than doubt. the Rays do. No doubt. You, and so what you get is is here is is that I, when I first heard it, my initial reaction was, seems like the Rays, the Royals overpaid. I like the like I could see the logic for the Rays right away because correct. You look at it and you go, okay, the Rays are one of the very few teams out of there who can trade James Shields away. Who I agree with you. I know there's a lot of people saying, well, is he a true number one? Is he Whatever you want to call him, people get, I think, sometimes too hung, hung up. up on number one versus number two. No doubt. The reality of it is is that James Shields is a front end of the rotation starter who is extremely by, durable. By any definition, he's a front end starter. You don't have to be generous. He just is. He is. And he's very durable. And he's, I mean, the reality of it is is that if you look at James Shields and you say, okay, I'd put it this way. How many teams are out there where if you put James Shields in the rotation, would he not be uh, the either the ace or the number two? Very few. I don't know if I can think of – Very few. He's he's legit, and I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, and, I, and that's my misfortune for not uh, preparing properly. But I know I've seen a couple of tweets with this comparison of James Shields – versus Zach Greinke, and James Shields outperformed in the last three years. And if you B-ref and Zach Greinke, the most similar, on uh, similarity scores, the most similar starter is James Shields. Go a step and, further. And, and he's, he's not got, as good as less, Zach Greinke. He's got less. There's less baggage there. I mean, Greinke, The makeup is better, period. The makeup is better. I mean, so, it, just, it just is. So the, initially, the trade, though, if you look at the Rays, the Rays are a team that can trade James Shields, and you say, okay, their top three next year is going to be David Price, who's a legit one, Matt Moore, and Jeremy Hellickson. That's your top three. And their rotation is basically Price, Hellickson, Moore, Neiman, Cobb, Archer, Odorizzi, some some mix of those seven and, guys, with maybe Alex Torres if he recaptures and it. And maybe Mike Montgomery if he recaptures. I'm not, I'm not even, yeah. yeah. I'm not even putting him ninth. But... <laughs> You have that, so they have plenty of depth. The reality is, is that Wade Davis is actually less valuable to them as a player than he has as a, is as a trade chip, because for them, he's a guy who pitches the seventh or eighth inning. Right. Whereas uh, we were talking about this in the office. Wade. One thing I think is a misconception. I've seen written in you know by solid baseball writers saying the Rays determined that Wade Davis is a much better fit in the bullpen than the rotation. May, the Royals obviously are going to try to see if it's different, and maybe he is, maybe he's not. That may be all be true, but the reality of it is, is that that does that's that's a factual statement. At the same time, Wade Davis only moves to the pen. The only team in baseball where Wade Davis moves to the pen last year is the Rays. I, I can't that, think I of another fair. team. If he's with the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers or any of those other teams. Last year, right, he'd have been in the rotation. Yeah, maybe the Cardinals. I mean, because they had other pitchers. But I mean, like Trevor Rosenthal and Joe Kelly got moved to their bullpen. I'm not saying he's yeah. that good, but he's in the same but, vein. He's he's regarded better coming up than Joe Kelly was. 
and the way to the better way to put this is is that if Wade Davis, okay, maybe the Giants, it's a pretty good rotation. Who be? Well, you wouldn't be their fifth starter though. Well, they played through Barry Zito. I mean, who well, had a better? They paid him a lot of money to be their fifth yeah. starter. So yes, I don't think he would have cracked that rotation. But still, we're, the point right. is, probably twenty-seven or twenty out of the thirty organizations, he'd have been in the rotation. The race, he wasn't. In he the wasn't race situation, great, but he was. He was good enough. In the race situation, you had Matt Moore coming up, who was the best pitching prospect in baseball. You had to find room for him. Correct. Okay, Wade Davis is the guy, the odd man out. We'll move him here. And then once they did that, they're also the only team we talked about before the season. Even with Wade Davis in the pen, they had seven right. starters. Right. They so, still had a, 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 and that's what they've done so well. These again, these these organizations fit well together. And I think it's funny that the Rays, in their when they first when they were the Devil Rays, you know they were the organization that was just like the Royals. They developed position players, but they could not develop pitchers to save their life. When they were the Devil Rays and they had Chuck Lamar in charge, Braves guy, same family tree as Dayton Moore. Bill Fisher guy, no two-seam guy. He is from that exact mm-hmm. same school. The best pitchers they developed were Joe Kennedy and what's his name, uh, Chad Godin. And for years, whether it was DeWan Brazelton or Jason Standridge, college, high school, right, left, didn't matter. They drafted pitchers high, and they couldn't do it. Meanwhile, they couldn't, they couldn't win with them. Who said that again? Uh, uh, Mike Singletary. Yeah. Couldn't win with them. But position players, they came up with Rocco Baldelli and Carl Crawford, and they drafted Josh Hamilton and BJ uh, Upton, and uh, you know um, Evan Longoria was drafted they, afterward. But I mean, they Delmon, they drafted position players and developed them fairly well. Now under Andrew Friedman, the organization's completely flipped. They can draft and develop pitchers. They haven't drafted and developed a big leaguer since the 2007 draft, right. Stephen Vogt and Matt Moore. 2008 draft since then, nothing. Not one major leaguer for them or for another organization, for Tampa. But when you look at their projected roster and their, their lineup, J.J., uh, the only homegrown guy in their lineup, other than Evan Longoria, would be Desmond Jennings, who's not a lock big leaguer. I mean, he's a good, he should be a good big leaguer, but he hasn't done it yet. But everybody else's trades or free agency – yeah, it looks like a pretty good team. Jose Molina, James Loney. I'm not on the James. No, I'm not on that is. one. I would. I, I'm surprised I didn't just go back and try to get Casey Koshman again. I mean, I know he, he has to be cheaper. He was worse in 2012 than Loney, but he was pretty good for the Rays in 2011. He seemed right at home playing near his uh, near his old high school. Ben Zobrist, great trade, swindling of a trade that they made. Longoria at third, Junel Escobar at shortstop. Obviously, we, I mean, placeholder. Pretty good, yeah, but pretty good trade. Right, I thought pretty good the trade. Reason I say placeholder for that is, is that yeah. Junel Escobar basically has he he like milk has an expiration date. <laughs> Everywhere he goes, there's only a yeah. certain amount of time, and then you go, okay, we got to move him on somewhere else. Yeah, if he ever become, I will say I've talked to scouts who just love Junel Escobar. No, I mean I, they love him, and uh, it, but and they, it, they it acknowledge seems like that no clubhouse loves well, they, him for long. They acknowledge that. There's no doubt. This is the, he's gonna be but one he of the talent. bigger challenges. For, but I mean, as far as he's more talented than any shortstop they've had in a while. Absolutely. And then Jennings, Joyce, some mix of Myers, Geyer, Fold, and the rest of their outfield. I don't know who the DH is there, but that's pretty stout. And then the rotation, they will miss James Shields. I don't think there's a doubt they're going to miss James Shields because the guys they're replacing him with are not as good. But to me, the big thing that they look for is the step forward by Matt Moore. If Matt Moore makes a step forward, it may not matter. It may not matter. And then. And the other thing is, is again, it, they're also able to say, you know what, 
we have Alex Cobb, we feel like that Alex Cobb can give us because the reality is, is if Dwayne Davis isn't in this deal, Wade Davis may be the guy who steps in that rotation to fill that spot. I believe that's but correct. But they feel like that Alex Cobb can also handle that spot. Or again, or Jake Odorizzi or Chris Archer or you know they they have plenty of options. I wish the Rays had someone named Lana on their team, but they don't. But, um, but the Royals, though, JJ also beginning of this off season, the Royals' number one starter was what Bruce Chen. The, Luke the Royals, the Royals' rotation at midpoint of last year, post the was Guthrie. Before they got Guthrie, even though, like, okay. or even like going into the off season where Guthrie was a free agent, they hadn't resigned him. You're looking at Chen, Hochaver, get Mendoza, Luis Mendoza, uh, Will Smith, Will Smith, and probably Everett Tiford and Jake Odorizzi battling for that spot. Yeah, and that's about it. And that's it. now those guys are your fifth starters. Right. All those guys are basically battling for one rotation spot behind Shields, Guthrie, Santana, Wade Davis. Some mix thereof. And that's that's the part like when what was interesting. So I mean, my initial reaction, like you know, maybe not as insane as a lot of people I saw on Twitter, but my initial reaction was figuratively speaking, was you know, Rays, Rays win the trade. Yes. I see it for the Rays. For the Royals, did they overpay? I'm not that bright. So what I try to do is, okay, I know people who are brighter than me who will I, talk to me. That's I the can good atti- news. I can attest to that. <laughs> Sorry. But, You're a Steelers fan, though. That's not but, nice. But, um, so, you know, went out, reached out, talked to, you know, went out, put out the feelers, I think, to eight and heard back from six uh, people inside the game, front office execs, pro scouting directors, pro scouts who've seen – talked to guys who have, I think, seen every single player involved in this trade at some point. And said, so what all do you think I'll, I'll think about the trade? And what stood out was is that six for six, the general consensus was even trade, like it for both teams. But the ones that they – and maybe this was a response because they've seen the reaction out there. But the one that pretty much to a man, if they were going to say, hey, who do I like this trade for? It was the Royals. And the reason for saying that was is that Basically came down a lot of cases to this. Will Myers is a really good prospect. Absolutely. But you know what? I, as one scout put it, I don't, do you care if Omaha's good? You know, and not that Will Myers, but, but that, was a the great, idea, that was a great line. The idea being their farm system takes a hit with this. Absolutely. You know what? They've got to start winning. And right. the reality of it is, is that multiple guys said, you look at their rotation. Their rotation was not going to, even after they've added Jeremy Guthrie, added Irvin Santana, their rotation was not going to be good enough. And there's no way that they were going to be able to compete if the best guy that they have is Jeremy Guthrie, and the second best guy is Irvin Santana, and the third best guy is maybe they land, maybe even they go out and spin and get Ryan Dempster. You can say... Hey, they could go out and get Annabelle Sanchez. For one, they would have overpaid for him. Right. Two, we don't know if Annabelle Sanchez will sign with them because they're the Royals. But they said, if you look at it, if you match it up, they're not a contender, as they saw it. They said, you look at this trade, you look at them post-trade, Said, and two guys said, I think they're contenders in the AL Central right now because... I definitely think this these, this trade makes them a contender in the American League Central. I don't I don't dispute that in any way. Do you, I guess the criticism that I've seen that's the most valid and not irrational has been, did they properly value their assets? Did they properly value Will Myers? JJ, do you think that if they'd played hardball, 
and held out that it could have been Will Myers and, say, Patrick Leonard for James Shields and Wade Davis? Do you think that think, they gave up too much? I don't think you can get – if you said that you could – the minute you add Wade Davis to the deal, I don't think that you're a a Will Myers and one lower-level prospect. I, I, because, I Will, because Wade Davis could be a starter again. The Royals plan for him to be a starter again, but when you're in that trade – even if you, as Dayton Moore, value him as a starter, don't you have to go into the negotiation making the Rays value him as a reliever and making them think that you value him as a reliever and that's what you're going to pay for? I don't think, I don't think, is that possible? You, I don't think the Rays are dumb enough to think that any team that they talk to Wade Davis about is not going like, to – I think you if have you're to the try. Rays, but, I mean, you can try, but the Rays aren't that dumb. Like, if, you, if any other team in baseball is going out to acquire Wade Davis, if I'm the Rays – He's he's not a guy who's completely fallen on his face. We're not talking about a guy who posted a six ERA as a starter. He's had two seasons where he answered the bell as a starter. He had an ERA plus of 96 in one of them and 85 in another. That's not counting the six starts where he was really good as a rookie. Right. That 96 There's, year, that's as we've discovered, that's basically a fourth starter on a playoff team. Right. Year. So what I'm saying is, is when you're the Rays, you don't have him and say – the team coming to you says, well, this guy can't start. He's failed as a starter. He didn't fall on his face as a starter. You can say if you're – Those two years would have made him the, the Royals number two. Right. <laughs> and so if you're the Rays trading him, I think that you are able to easily argue this from, no, we're trading you two starting pitchers. And I don't think it's just if they trade him with the Royals. Okay. I think if they trade him to the Yankees, it's like – Wade Davis is going to start for you guys. I guess I'm wondering, because like, one of the guys I talked to at the winter meetings this weekend, um, and it was actually Thursday after everybody else, had, pretty much most people had left, but I was getting ready to go interview Will Myers. And for people who listen to that, if you haven't heard that podcast, I recorded that on Thursday afternoon uh, in Will Myers' uh, hotel room at the uh, <laughs> uh, with a couple of uh, CAA personnel around. Two, and one of the things was we couldn't talk about potential left, trade. Two days left in his uh, Kansas Royals City career. That's career. Right, but we could not talk about potential trades. But I can say a couple things. One of the people I talked to that day after the Rule 5 draft, and I just th- said, what are you doing here the rest of the day if you have to stick around? I was like, well, I'm interviewing Will Myers. And this person said, try to tell me someone in the game who has more trade value right now than Will Myers. He thought the list was very short. He thought the jerks and Profar were probably one of them. Because you're talking about a prospect that everyone in the game believes in. Everyone thinks he'll be a productive big leaguer. I'm not even sure what you'd say the floor is. Is the floor like a peak value Jeff Francoeur? And I'm just no, – so no, the I'll, point was that I'll, he was I'll, saying – I'd say, I'd say his floor is better than that because he's shown – I know he struck out a lot this year. But he hit 37 home runs. He hit 37 home runs. Jeff Francoeur never, never hit 37 29 home runs. 29 is his career high. So, yeah, yeah, so to me – so he was saying that he thought that Will Myers, as a player with six years of club control, potential seven, star – Seven, essentially, if you just wait a month. Poten- there you go. So basically seven years. Potential – big league star, a guy who could maybe even be a center fielder, could be a third baseman. I understand he's probably yeah. a right fielder, but that guy's hard to find. Mm-hmm. And so he thought that Will Myers' trade value was the highest of anyone in that potential deal. We talked about potential Shields deals. This person's contention was that it should be Myers for Shields and something. It shouldn't, whereas the rumors were it was going to be Myers and stuff for Shields. And let me say this. So, uh, so I, I, again, and I'm not even. I think that's why people reacted so vitriolically. Right. With such vitriol on Twitter. Right. 
But my thing with that is, is that if it had ended up being Myers and Leonard for Shields, now, there, here's, there's some very interesting components to this trade. For one, I think that the Royals, including Mike Montgomery, is a – unless that was the crux to the deal to making it happen. That was the Ray that Ninja was, move, if you ask me. To me, that's the deal that has no upside for the Royals. I completely agree. Because All that could do is uh, – that, that that tears up their Massey prenup if he gets good. They're exposed. Right. It, They're sitting that, duck. If Montgomery is terrible, well, you didn't get much value for him. I mean, you can't tell me. I, I can't envision any scenario where in this trade where Mike Montgomery is like, okay, you can – you can. We'll, we like Odorizzi and all, but if you want to replace Odorizzi, that's fine. But you got to keep Montgomery. I can't see any scenario like that. Right. But at the same, that was like a bonus pancake for them. But at the same time – He's a very time, old BA joke. At the same time – if you're the Rays and you get Montgomery, if Montgomery goes there and fails, the Royals benefited very little from that. Right. I don't think anyone's actually, as an organization, really generally roots for a player to fail. But if he fails, oh no, he's probably one they do. There's <laughs> but, some there's some hard feelings there. But if he fails, it's something where okay, you didn't get much value for him. If he succeeds, then they're exposed. You, it looks like okay, this was a premium talent. You couldn't figure out how to make him work. Not only was other premium, can. Not only was a premium talent, it was a premium talent that you believed in, mm-hmm. that the Royals believed in, that the Royals thought was going to be one of their saviors on the mound, and, and they couldn't and there figure are out people, how to unlock him. And there are people who think, you know, again, scouts I talked to, like one scout I talked to who's seen Mike Montgomery who said, you know what, take Myers, David, Myers, Shields, and all that, that's the obvious part of this deal. He said, but, like, if you gave me – Okay, for them, Odorizzi's a much safer bet, but he wouldn't. He, his quote, you can see it in our, if you go to our baseball, our trade yeah. central story, he said, I think by mid season, Montgomery may be helping them. I know you're not, you know, on that trade, but. Well, I mean, I just, I, I liked better the scout I thought was much more realistic, who kind of comped him like as a Matt Thornton type mm-hmm. of guy, where he's a left hander with a plus fastball okay. and a good changeup when it's all said and done, when he's healthy, and you put him in the bullpen. I mean, this guy. To me, the thing is, I, sound, all the external, all the, the tea leaves say Tommy John surgery. That's why I don't think midseason. I still think eventually, do I believe Mike Montgomery will be an effective major league pitcher? Yeah, I still do. I still think he will. So, I mean, to, to me, that's going to expose what I've been talking about on these podcasts for too many years, which is the Royals' inability to develop pitching and that their philosophy being pretty straight straight jackets a lot of their pitchers. But well, that's a whole, I don't want to go, on, go too much on that tangent. I will say, the other part I did want to talk about more was about the value of Will Myers. And is it I think is it a valid criticism I want to ask yeah. you. Is it valid that Royals fans believe that they undervalued Will Myers and Mike Montgomery and Jake Odorizzi? Uh, Odorizzi because, I was going to say, Odorizzi is the one, I, if I could just interrupt real quick. I think that the value of Odorizzi around baseball is pretty well set in that you get – because, I mean, I also do the Royal – like, when you talk about Mike Montgomery, the general answer when you talk to people outside of the Royal about Mike Montgomery is, you know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's an indecision. It's a, is he going to figure it out? Is he not? Everyone I talk to – who I've asked about in the last year about Jake Odorizzi, seems to have some sense of he's not going to be a front-line guy, but he's got a really good chance to be a back-end rotation starter. He, he sounds like the way people used to describe Kyle Loesch, you know? <laughs> I mean, like I know Kyle Loesch had a great 2012, 
and has had his year. But to me, is like that? That's the kind of career that that's a, that's a reasonable career expectation for Jake Odorizzi. Right. I it's, mean, is that almost it's too four high? Average, it's four average pitches is what is the he going to be a scout? But if, who's like who knows? But and who is he knows as good as Kyle Loesch? It could be. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's. But what that's, I think of Jake Odorizzi, I think Kyle Loesch, a guy where. When he has a really good year, you never think he's that good. And when he has a bad year, you know he's probably not that bad. The, the best way to put it is, is his velocity, and you don't want to get too hung up, but he doesn't have – there's not really a pitch he has where guys say, okay, that's going to be the pitch that he basically – that's what everything he does in the big leagues will be built around. As a position player, you talk, if you were a football player, you'd say what's their – go-to kind of set, right. their offensive set, so what, the plays they with, trust. With, with baseball, you say, what's his carrying tool? His carrying tool, exactly. Well, he doesn't really... What do you what, call that in football? Like your base play? That like Don't all teams have like a, a, a set a, and play? They have a couple of their, their cornerstones that you build. I, I can't forgot the term yeah. now. I'm in baseball mode now. So. I was trying to get you into football mode. But, you know, it's... The, the way to put a voter is, is that the one... If you say the concern people have about Ozerizzi is that he's a four-pitch guy without a carrying tool, who knows where he succeeds is because he knows how to pitch. If you're looking for a changeup, he might take a fastball by you. If you're looking for a right. fastball, okay, then he's dropping a, a curveball on you. All that. But it's not like James Shields where you know he's going to beat you with his changeup. You may know it's coming. It doesn't matter. He's going to beat you with his changeup. The other concern with Odorizzi, though, is, is that there are guys who say, you know what, I don't know if his control is good enough to make that assortment as he is work at the big league level. Right. You know, they, the guys who do say four the starter. Well, I guess where I was going with that was, do you think that they, did, do you think the Royals properly valued their own assets here, or do you feel like there was so much pressure on Dayton Moore because of six prior years of losing that they felt they had to win in the next two years, his contract is up at the end of 2014, and that if they didn't, you know, if they did not win in those next two years, coincidentally the two years that James Shields is under contract for, that he would be fired anyway? I think, yes, I think that Will Myers, I, I don't know about improperly valued because it's tough. I follow what you're saying. I think that if you said, I if, you did, a, if you did a trade value chart of who has the most trade value out there in baseball, Will Myers is going to be pretty high up on it. I don't think he's going to be in the top five, if you said overall, because I could probably think, you know, I know, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think that there's, you know, Jerks and Profar is, you know, probably is in the top five. But reality is, is that Mike Trout, they're not going to get traded. Mike Trout and Bryce Harper are 1-2 in the trade value chart. One would assume. I, I sure, would assume. if they're not, I'm, I'm probably uh, in disagreement with the list that doesn't have them in that. You know, but Buster Posey has more value than either of these guys. Again, not going to get traded. But, yes, you have them under less control. But the, the reality of this is that there is something to be said for this is where James Shields comes into this. There is something to be said for as as much potential as Will Myers has. The fact of a guy has done it is a factor in his favor. I know Ben Badler or Ben Badler has tweeted out, and there's a truth to this. Like ben Jarvis, Ben Badler, that that he's made the point that you know what, for as much as you can say, yes, Will Myers hasn't proven at the big league level. There also you can say that James Shields. Maybe this, you know, we've seen the best of James Shields. He gets hurt, something happens, it backs up. It's true. There's no certainties. We can't be certain that Mike Trout is going to be an all-star for the next 10 years. Right. We can strongly believe it. Sure. But that being said, I think, yes, I think your core point is correct, though, in that 
Will Myers is less valuable to Dayton more than he is to Royals fans because in, uh, on the Royals. Because the reality of this is that if Will Myers comes up to the Royals in 2013, has a solid kind of getting his feet wet season, let's say you know he hits 250 with with plenty of pop, strikes out a lot. Right. So he's better than a good bit better than Jeff Rancourt. Okay, and 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 the reality is <laughs> setting the bar awfully low. Setting it very low. Jeff Rancourt may have been the worst player in baseball last year, but yeah. you know, we're we're setting the bar very low. He's better than that. He helps the team, but they the reality is is that they their rotation. You know, you find that Guthrie is a really is a fourth starter. Irvin Santana is a fourth fifth starter. No one else in the organization in the rotation is better than that. Right. And 2013, they're an 80 win team. Okay, at best, I think Dayton Moore goes in the last year of his contract knowing... Without an extension. Without an extension, knowing, wow, this is it. Right. I don't want to get sidetracked on but, trade value, but, but I will say that I, I, Will Myers is valuable. Oh, he's and absolutely he's, valuable. He's not as valuable as, say, Jerks and Profar. He's not as valuable as, say, Manny Machado, Trout, Harper, those kind of guys. Among guys who could actually be traded, I think he might be more valuable than, say... Uh, just a, as a, an even-to-even comp, he might be more valuable than Jason Hayward because Jason Hayward, yes, he has established himself at the major league level. He's also established some of his limitations, mm-hmm. and he's also established some of his injury track record. Mm-hmm. And I'll put it this way. like Those are apples to apples, and I think if you asked 30, the 30 clubs, I think the majority would take Hayward. It would certainly not would be, would not be a clean a good, sweep. I think that's a, good, that's a good borderline of where he values. Right. Like you're comparing right fielders, I would say this. I would say that if you said Will Myers for Giancarlo Stanton, that's easy. I would say 30 for 30 would say, Stanton. give me Stanton. Correct. If you said Jason Hayward, there you're be more getting, like twenty to ten for Hayward. Right, that's about where you're getting ha- into it. You'd have your Will but Myers. The, the tough part that you have to work into this also, though, is is how much value does James Shields have? Right, because that that's the that's the nut of it to me. Is that that's even harder to determine because again, at first first it depends on so where do you value him? Well, the reality is is that like if you said would you rather have James Shields or Anibal Sanchez? I'd rather have James Shields. Absolutely. I'd rather have James Shields for two years at $22 million than Anibal Sanchez for, say, six and, what, 72? Is that what he's going to get? Something is he gonna like get that, more probably. Than that? Probably Absolutely, more than I'd rather have James Shields. I'd rather have James Shields as well. I guess, my, to me, the question is, uh, I, and I saw you had the quote from a scout who said that I thought, he thought they maximized their value, their return on Will Myers. I don't think that's true. I think this is a good deal for the Royals. I think there may probably have been a better deal out there or maybe a deal where less gets thrown into this trade. Like you said, Mike Montgomery, may, they may not have valued him. This was like To me, that's the part where they threw in an extra piece that I don't think they needed to throw in, either Montgomery or Leonard. But, by the way, by the way but Patrick he, Leonard, like, it's, he's interesting. As far as, I mean, he's, he's the guy and the guy. We, where was we, he on your 30? 18. Okay. He's the kind of guy when we formulate these, when we talk about these deals, we talk about, and this deal fits this perfectly. You have to have, when you have one of these massive deals and you're creating with prospects, you have to have the cornerstone guy. Right. If you make this deal and you're the Rays and you don't get a Will Myers and you say you get, hey, we're going to get Jake Odorizzi, Mike Montgomery, Jorge Bonifacio, Jordano yeah, Ventura, yeah. we're going to get seven of the Royals' better prospects, but you don't have a cornerstone guy. Bad idea. We've seen that. We've uh, yep. seen when teams have done that, when 
when Cliff Lee, you know, when you get Jason Donald and Lou Marson and, <laughs> yeah. you know, or you get Tyson Gillies and that's you know, a great, that's Philippe a great Amon, point. if you'd make those trades, J.C. Ramirez, J.C., and you say, who's the stud prospect in this year? And you go, well. For the Indians, it was supposed to be Jason Knapp. Ow, my liver. You know, yeah. and J- but the difference, the gulf between Jason Knapp in a trade like this, which – I, it's a golf. A golf because Jason Knapp was a, it's a, it's a hard throwing low, a hard throwing class A pitcher. Yeah, that's an entirely different ballpark. Yeah, not even than close. you're talking about a big league ready potential impact bat. Okay, you have a cornerstone guy. Then you have we we saw this. The best way I can put this is compare this trade. To me, it's an easy comparison. Let's look at it and say let's compare this to what the Royals got when they traded away Zach Greinke. Yeah. Now, I would argue, not much, but I would say that your values for Greinke and Shields are very similar. I might give you slightly more on Shields because Greinke was one year left. Yeah. Shields had two. And, again, we got a Wade Davis complicated. We we have a Wade Davis complicating factor in here. Yes, he mitigates things. In that case, the cornerstone guy they got was Alcides Escobar. Now, Will Myers has more value to me right now by a significant amount than Alcides Escobar at the time, although... I agree, but I wouldn't say by a significant amount, but he has more value but at the time. You're but Alcides, now Alcides Escobar looks a whole lot better because he had a really nice offensive and season. And he signed a deal that... Yes, cl- favorable to the club. Very favorable to the club. Okay, so he's a he's a cornerstone shortstop guy now. But let's say that Myers is better than uh, the better part of that. Okay, we got Jaco DeRizzi's in both deals. Right. Jaco DeRizzi, I would say... Equals DeRizzi. I would say he actually equals Jaco DeRizzi because... Back then, further away, but you also had more projection. Okay, we're seeing occasionally flashes of 94-95. If he settles at sitting 92-95, if the breaking ball, one of the breaking balls sharpens up a little bit, right. hey, maybe he's a front-line guy. So Jacob Rizzi cancels out. Correct. Now you've got Lorenzo Cain versus, take your pick, a Patrick Leonard or, or I'll Mike say Montgomery. Montgomery. Pretty similar, actually. I would say Kane's a little more value. I would say Kane has more value there. Okay. Then your last part is is Laurent. You're, you're you're talking Jeremy Jeffress, who's your hard throwing flyer. <laughs> yeah. You know, facing Patrick, a lifetime drug suspension if Patrick, he stays in the minors. Patrick Leonard's your hard hitting flyer. Right. I think those trades, if you look at the two of them, they actually end up being. They're not. I would say that the the best way I can put it is is those aren't two trades where you go one trade is vastly different than the other. I agree. I know that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, other interesting ways to look at it may come to us via Twitter. JJ, I'm going to ask the questions that I've gotten via Twitter from our listeners and, and, and shoot them at you. Um, Pete Toms wants to know, does Moore get canned if the Royals don't contend this season? JJ, I would say no. I think he's got two years, just like James Shields. What do you think? Sorry, I have to repeat that one more does time. Does Dayton Moore get canned if the Royals don't contend in 2013? Contend, yes. I would say, like, if they're, like... If they don't contend, like, if they go 72 and 90 right. again. And I'll that's say, fair. I'd say, yes. say that's fair. If they... Here's the best way to put this. The, the James Shields trade is very important for them. The reality of it comes down to, though, is if Eric Hosmer, Mike Moustakis, Salvador Perez, Alcides Escobar, Lorenzo Cain, all these guys, if they don't produce, if Eric Hosmer is as bad in 2013 as he was in 12... Yeah. If Mike Moustakis takes a step back, if Salvador Perez can't sustain, can't yeah. sustain, they're getting then this trade becomes almost immaterial for Dayton Moore's long-term chances of staying in camp because this is the 
okay, we've built the pieces. Now we've got to finish off the cake. Right. This is the cake. Still, <laughs> the base of the cake is not the James Shields trade. But I think it's fair to say no. They have they have to make they have to contend in 2013. And I think it's also fair to say in the next two years they need to make the playoffs. I think that's fair. Before James fair. Shields is done with his deal, they need to make the playoffs. That being said, I, I asked this on Twitter last night. You know, I asked Royals fans. Okay, Royals fans, if the Royals make the playoffs in the next two years, even if you're angry about the trade right now, are you okay with it then? And the general consensus is, it's been since 1985. Right. If not, not. We I just read the big Joe Posnanski feature a couple of weeks ago. It was like, no, most Royals fans who are alive. And when we read about Frank White, he's like, how nobody, all we have is the memory of 85 for most fans. Yeah, this would change things if they had a and, playoff. And now I think now one thing that he said with that is, is that they can't, I do think there's a difference between if you win 88 games and win the AL Central by backing into it and get swept in three games in the first round is right. different than if you win 92 or win a playoff. So the journey is a lot of fun. The, ju- the, the journey is a lot of the fun. Journey and the journey. The Royals. That's why we watch. The Royals are positioned now. Whether you like the trade for the Royals or not, the Royals now will put a rotation out there that five out of five days they will go into the game, whereas you're a fan and you say, I've got a chance to win today. Theoretically. Theoretically, not that they're going to win. But I, was, I like the I do like the fact that Irvin Santana, for example, his peripherals last year weren't far off what he's done in but, past years. It's reasonable for him to, to expect that he'll be better in twenty thirteen. But 2013. the other thing with this is that if Irvin Santana, if, let's say the Irvin Santana doesn't, okay, let's say let's map it out. Well, say, they're not going to contend. But hold on, I don't actually think. no. Here's the thing. Here's what I, Irvin Santana is a, as I see it. Irvin Santana, especially he's on a one year deal. He's on a April to June tether. Come June or July, Danny Duffy is ready probably to regain your rotation. Rejoin it. If he's back and if Danny Duffy's in their rotation in the second half, they're not contending. It's very unlikely that Danny Duffy has really never had any big league success. He's had flashes. He's had he pitched like half a year in the big leagues, right? A year and a half tops? No, half a year. Oh, yeah, half yeah. a year in the big leagues. If he's in their rotation in the second half, either A, he's had the best comeback ever from Tommy John, or B, because most guys who come right back are guys like John Smoltz or Kerry Wood, or guys who had already done at the big leagues, he doesn't have that level of talent. I'm just not buying right. Danny Duffy in the second half. But what I'm saying is, is that between Duffy and Felipe Paulino and... The other guys we talk about, Luis Mendoza, Will Smith, they do have depth now, too. What I'm saying too. is that Kyle, I mean, or... They at least have depth. Or come August, Kyle Zimmer, maybe, if he has a really good, you know... Don't disagree there. You know, what I'd I'm saying is, more. is that they, they actually now, the difference between this year and last year is, is last year, they were... They had no depth. They, right. didn't, they started the year. They had no plan B. When Jonathan Sanchez was terrible, there was really it. wasn't an option to say, okay, he's terrible. Let's put him down, you know. Right. Let's put him in the pen and hide <laughs> let's, him. Let's put him down. <laughs> they probably wish they could have. But there was no way they could say that because it's like Ryan Verdugo. Right. Um, let's get through some more questions here. Matt Harvey asks, uh, I don't think it's the real Matt Harvey, who improves – so who, basically, Matt Harvey's asking who won. Who improves the most from this trade, Tampa or Kansas City? I think we're agreeing that Kansas City improved the most on this trade. Tampa Bay has less, to, less room to improve. Right. I mean, for Tampa, it's maintaining. Right. For Kansas City, I, I would say that the, the, the cheap answer, the, the one that's easy to say, is, is Kansas City from the standpoint that Kansas City – I'm not even saying they win this trade, but they, 
they could lose this trade on a pure talent-for-talent basis and still improve improve more more than the Rays because all the Rays can do is get slightly better. I agree. Um, Japers asks, where were the Rays and Royals farm systems ranked before and now after? We have not done our farm system rankings because all 30 top 30s aren't in yet. I will say, the way the way I'm going to answer this, Japers, is the biggest thing the Rays' top ten was missing was a true number one uh, they prospect. They got about as number one-y as a number one prospect gets in Will Myers. So that's that. Number two, so that so now you have Myers one, Archer two in the danger zone. Uh, Taylor Guerrero goes to three. Hawk Julie, the muscular ref, goes to four. I still think Alex Colomay's five. I would slot in Jake Odorizzi right there at six. Richie Schaefer's your seven. Uh, Andy Romero, Romero eight. eight, and then I, I I feel like Blake Snell's interesting. I you'd probably still go Blake Snell nine and Tim Beckham ten, but if you want to slide my if my if you thought Mike Montgomery slipped in there, in you range. wanted to give him a bump for being a Ray, not a Royal. Now I'd buy that. I'd buy him right there with Blake Snell. And I'll Blake Snell's in the way. Appy League. I'll, I'll put it this way: Patrick Leonard, who was eighteen in the Royal system, Drew Edelson was ten in the, and I'd say Drew Edelson is still ahead of him, but. It's not dramatic. It's not like they're in two different classes, I put it this way. That, I mean, yeah, that's fair. I definitely would take Vettelson over Leonard, but Patrick Leonard's got some bat ability. There's no doubt he's got some offensive ability. Uh, Robert Zukowski, do we think Montgomery has any chance of becoming anything, or is his delivery out of whack? I think we both do believe that there's a possibility for Mike Montgomery to come I back. J.J. nods I, knowingly. I, I said before the, I've said before this trade ever happened, I've said around the office, Montgomery was a guy to me who at some point was going to have to, if he was going to succeed, it was much more likely he would succeed with a change of scenery than he would succeed in Kansas City. He needed a change of scenery. He needs a fresh set of eyes. He needs a fresh approach. He needs 30 minutes to warm up. He needs needs to do his long toss, and I don't care. (laughs) Uh, And then he needs to own it. That's the other part of it. This is now on Mike Montgomery. The other thing now is is that there is no... No excuses. If he fails now, there is no... None of this, oh, it was a bad fit, me and the organization. You're in your second org. This is the time to grow up. And so we're going to find out. But no, I think... I I like, again, as you said, one of the scouts that we talked to uh, said... You talked to. I didn't talk to you. You deserve the credit. Power. Worst case scenario for him probably is power arm out of the pen with some control issues. Really, if you want to find a guy who the Rays have had, if you're looking as a Rays fan for a comparison, Jake McGee. Jake McGee. Yeah. To me, the big Andy question. Andy Romero, who's down lower in their system. Andy Romero, because he's younger, you say, you know what, he's got more chance right. to be it. But Andy Romero and Mike Could Montgomery. Count. Romero has a bigger arm, but not by a ton. And no. To me, Montgomery, the big issue, to me, is just the health. Uh, I right. do have a lot of trust in the Rays front office and their pitching coordinators to get the most out of him. To me, the biggest question is the health. Um, Stephen Banks asks, value of Dickey based on the Shields trade. Shields is nine years younger and has a two-year contract. I mean, the age is yeah, – they don't check IDs, number one. Number two, the age only almost worked in R.A. Dickey's favor. Being older convinced him to commit 100% to the knuckleball and help make him a successful player. I mean, I, I, think, yeah, it, but the, the, I, think, it's, I think it's fair to say that R.A. Dickey's career could be just as could last as many more years in the major leagues as James Shields's. I don't think it's unreasonable to, to plot him out and say that – he should still be pitching in the major league between the ages of 42 and 45. Right. When you the go one, by the, past the one, knuckleballers. The one difference being, though, is just that, and this is the frightening thing with a guy like Dickey, when you're talking about those years with those knuckleballers, when the end comes, the, it, it can be a cliff. 
Like, and what I mean is, is that you can yeah. reach an age at like forty, and then it could come back. Right, but like <laughs> you can hit, you can. It's not. It's highly possible he could pitch in the big leagues at forty-two, forty-three, or whatever. It's also highly possible that it'll be if you said where it's going to be. Huh? Who dropped off the cliff? Like Phil Necro, late in his career, had some years. He had some really good years, and he had some years that if he wasn't pitching, but for he was really like forty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> he was older than um, R. A. Dickey, but like Tim Wakefield, chugged right along. Every year, I mean, he, there wasn't Andy a cliff. Audi, the cl- I, I thought he was a nice, steady, slow decline too. I, I think, I think thirty. I think this was R. A. Dickey's peak year. I don't see him getting any better than he was in two thousand eight. I mean, two thousand eight, two thousand twelve. This also considered the fact that he got a gift strikeout with Adam Greenberg, allowed him to win the National League Strikeout Championship, as Jim Callis loves to point out. But yeah, I mean, I don't think this does anything for the value of Dickey in my mind. I, I, I just think he's a very different player. Right. If if R.A. Dickey were a conventional pitcher, it would affect him. But I don't think he gets evaluated based on comps with James Shields. So I appreciate the question, Stephen. I don't think it applies. Scott Mofield, uh, do you see the Royals turning Davis or Shields for prospects if they're out of it in July? Seem to be <laughs> no. They seem to be behind Detroit a ways. I don't think they're behind Detroit a ways. Detroit won 88 games. I mean, they won 88 Detroit's games. Detroit's lineup? has a much better middle of it and a much worse, even with Francoeur, a much worse periphery. Well, they did. I do think Detroit's gotten better this offseason. I like the Torrey Hunter move. I even like the Jeff Cobert as Rule 5 pickup, but we won't go down that path. That's a path I just can't path, follow. Yeah. Um, but, but no, I, I think, I, no, th- this is not a... I think you hit on it. If they trade someone, it would be Irvin Santana, and they'll but, try to reload for 2014 right, but this is not during a team, their window. This is not a team that's... The window is now. Like... You're, the best way to put it is, is that if anyone's arguing that the window becomes 2015, 16, 17, it'll be the next GM. Right. This GM, Correct. this front office, and I don't think they're trying to make this There's argument. not going to be another five-year plan. This is the plan. If the plan works, if they need another they five-year plan, they're going, to, they're going to be out in Siberia while that five-year plan is executed by if someone else. If this plan works, they get an Dayton Moore gets an extension. If the plan doesn't work, and a tattoo that says royal GM. for life. You know, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Kevin Flanagan asks, what's the long-term answer in right field now for the Royals? More Frenchie, Bonifacio, is he legit ETA? Jorge Bonifacio, I wanted to make sure we covered this before we wrapped up this. The the thing for the Royals with this is that we talked about how they have been able to produce position players. That's, to me, the key part of, like, they have to, James Shields and Wade Davis have to produce. The other part of this, though, is that they have to keep producing, even if they even if they continue, as you wrote a couple of years ago, they need to keep. There needs to be another wave. And I think, is Jorge Bonifacio going to be as good as Will Myers? Probably not. If you t- ask me, though, can Jorge Bonifacio be a legit, solid everyday average right everyday, or maybe even a tick above average everyday right fielder? I think there is absolutely a chance he'll do that. I think that will this year will be big for him because he's going to. Last year was kind of. He went from the Appy League to the full season ball and played a solid year last year. And you go, okay. He was good in the Midwest League. He's good in the Midwest League. You go, okay, there's a basis there. He's got his advanced field for hit. We we see all these things. This year, if he he improves on that, then you're going, okay, that guy in 2014 or at latest 15 could really be a a significant factor. There's a chance he's 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 a profile right fielder. Absolutely. How about Bubba? Is Bubba in this conversation? I think Bubba, the thing about it is, is I think Bubba, even though I think he might be older than Bonifacio, I think Bubba's significantly further Bubba's away. Bubba's like 30. <laughs> <laughs> we both talk about Bubba's age a lot, but, but I think but, we're all stunned that Bubba turned 20 in the happy But, but no, I think that Bubba is further away, but 
Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing with this, is that if Bubba Starling, if the Royals can turn Bubba Starling into the player he could be, then, that's a factor. then, then the Will Myers trade becomes a lot less painful for them. If Alberto Mondesi, who to me, if you want to talk about guys who, and we've talked about this on the AL Central podcast, I think, if Alberto Mondesi goes to the Midwest League as a 17-year-old, which there's no reason he won't because right. he played really well in Idaho Falls last year, but if he does, a year from now, when we're talking a year from now, he could be considered one of the, I mean, again, he, could be an elite he has guy. to do it. Right. But he could be an elite guy where you say next year they have another guy who could be that trade ship if they needed to. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, but I think that's a good question. And then my brother uh, asks, is Will Myers the next best North Carolina-born major leaguer? Short-term, great trade for Royals. Long-term, who knows? Um, I did mention that in the podcast that with Will, the interview I did with Will Myers. Uh, and, and now it can't be told. My, you're, you're all North Carolina lineup suddenly looks pretty good. Uh, you go with your apex high catchers, Landon Powell and Tim Fedorovich. They're, they're fringy, but they're both from apex high, which I think is cool. First base is basically uh, red-hot Chad Tracy. Uh, got back in the big league last year. Very exciting. An infield where, unfortunately, you're a little bit challenged at shortstop, but Dustin Ackley, uh, Lonnie Chisenhall at third, and then you have to play um, Kyle Seeger at shortstop because he's actually played shortstop at the major leagues, but obviously last year was a you don't have a shortstop. But an outfield of Will Myers and right, Cameron Mabin in center, and Josh Hamilton left field, it's a championship outfield. So that's a pretty good team. And with Madison Bumgarner as your ace, uh, and you have some power left-handers from the state, and Matt Harrison and Madison Bumgarner, sneak in the thumbing righty veteran in the presence of Kevin Millwood, Chris Archer in the danger zone hanging out in your fourth starter, and your fifth starter with one of these uh, fringe jokers like, uh, what's his name, uh, Oh, the, the retired James Baldwin. I'm kidding. No, I can't. Mitch Ackin. There are all these. There are a lot of fringy fit starter types. Team North Carolina is looking as good as it's ever looked in my 16 years of baseball America because I know I couldn't have made a team 16 years ago when I started. And I do think that's pertinent in that the state of North Carolina, uh, I do think, is, uh, has jumped up a few notches in I the quality agree. of its amateur baseball is, in the last 15 years. It is, it is one years. of the better baseball hotbeds out there. I'll still take my Team Georgia over your Team North Carolina. But. We'll, we'll, we'll match that one up. I, I would take it, too, but uh, you gotta, do you, I, your pitching is going to have to – after Adam Wainwright, find me some Georgia pitchers. Yeah, I'm sure a, there's somebody, but show me some Georgia pitchers. Right, I nice. will take my chance with a Mad Bum and Matt Harrison, power lefties like that. Um, and then finally, Charles Anderson. Archer instead of Davis, even out the trade for you, any chance Shields signs in Kansas City long term? Um, well, one thing with that is, no, is that when I, you say even out the trade. This guy's yeah. Assu- this guy's joining in the assumption that the Royals lost. No, or is he saying that? Would the you Rays, rather if you're the Royals? The no, is he saying the because? So he's saying Archer has more value than Davis. I'm, I would believe so. Yes. Do, which who would you rather have had if you're the Royals, Chris Archer or Wade Davis? Considering the contract he's under, I'd probably say Davis because you are no with him. The thing with Davis and. Chris Archer right now is not considered. The one thing we've got to remember is Chris Archer, disagree with me if you want, because I, I want to get your opinion on this, John. But to me, Chris Archer now, as he gets ready to go in the big leagues, is not as good a prospect as Wade Davis was when he got ready to go in the big leagues. I think it's really – the thing is that Wade – Chris Archer, that one year, his 2010 year was better than anything that Wade Davis ever did in the minors. That's really the only year that he's done it. I would give Archer a slight edge. I'm a Chris Archer believer. I think they're very similar pitchers, though. When it's right. all said and, and done, re- they're very similar and guys. And the reason that I say Davis is is that, and I know he's got two years and change in the big leagues already, but you with him, 
let's say that arbitration awards in the next, because of these contracts we see and all, arbitration awards go through the roof. Right. With the new TV deal and all. Right. And in 2016, 2017, a solid mid-rotation starter in their fourth year is making $13, million. $15 million award. If that's the case, you know what you've got with Wade Davis through 2017. That's important. That, to me, to me for the Royals, I think the, I think the, if Wade Davis is the key. If Wade Davis, if James Shields for the next two years is a solid front end of the rotation starter and Wade Davis falls on his face, again, if they make the playoffs, I guess you can say that all bets are off. But to me, Wade Davis succeeding is the key part of this trade. Because I think you know, if, if James Shields fails, yeah. Well, you, just, you, you throw hurt. your arms up and go, Right. what are we going to do? Wade Davis, though, is the guy you're making the bet on. We think he can be a solid I, starter. I see that line of thinking. I do think that Archer is better, but I think in the next two years it's more reasonable to assume that Wade Davis will bring them more as a big league starter than, than Chris Archer. And that's what they're looking at. I think the, I think the Ray, Royals will evaluate this trade on what it brings them in the next two years. Not solely, but almost solely, and that's why they made this trade. But lots of great questions. Really appreciate the response. Obviously, a lot of our type of listeners and our followers fascinated by this trade. So are we. And uh, JJ came strong today. Great stuff on the website with the trade analysis. Really loved it. I was even skeptical of it, but I loved the way you handled it. And uh, really appreciate you uh, talking about it and your insight here with the Royals. Don't forget uh, the Ultimate 2013 Baseball America reference books are available. You can get your copy while supplies last from among the Prospect Handbook, which goes to press next week. 2013 Almanac. I'll read the printers coming back, uh, I think, next week. Uh, the tape gun will be in full effect here at Baseball America uh, uh, World Headquarters. The directory, the draft Almanac, and the Super Register, they're all available if you visit BaseballAmerica.com slash store. For J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. <laughs>